I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of tears. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots. Open brackets, sideboard, close brackets. Stephen Murray, how are you? I'm good. We're assembling today because we've just finished our episode with Forbidden Planet, which is a milestone landmark robot film. Yeah, it's not pivotal, but it's it's influential. Yeah. <laughs> just just for clarity. Yeah. <laughs> and we were saying as soon as we finished it, we said, Oh, I bet there's something that we've missed or something we haven't done. And I, I was thinking about an aspect of it that we didn't really delve too deeply into, but which is kind of like caught on a couple of things that have been capturing my attention of late. So it's sort of, I don't quite know whether this is robot-y, but it's something that is in the Forbidden Planet film and might be fun to have a chat about. Um, And the thing that caught on my attention was about the Krell. But who, whom... Stephen, are the Krell? The Krell are a completely wipe-cleaned, vanish race of uh, creatures that have left only one thing behind them, and that is the Krell machine. And the Krell machine is this device that Morbius discovers can create matter from energy. Yeah, there's a there's a really weird bit in in it where you suddenly see there are lots of Earth creatures roaming around the planet. Yeah. There's a tiger, there's some fawns. Yeah. Birds. <laughs> he mentions flocks birds. of birds. And we find out that they they have come from Earth, haven't they, those animals? Yeah, they visited Earth pre-humans and studied the planet and, and took with them tigers and lions and bears. There's a nice quote from uh, Morbius... There's a, a lengthy bit of exposition about the Krell, and I'll just I'll just read it out. <laughs> so you, the dialogue in this film at times is incredibly clunky. So he says, "In times long past, this planet was the home to a mighty and noble race of beings who called themselves the Krell. Ethically, as well as technologically, they were a million years ahead of humankind. For in unlocking the mysteries of nature." They had conquered even their baser selves. And when in the course of eons they had abolished sickness and insanity and crime and all injustice, they turned, still with high benevolence, outward toward space. Long before the dawn of man's history, they had walked our Earth and brought back many biological specimens. I see. That explains the tiger and the deer. The heights they had reached. But then seemingly on the threshold of some supreme accomplishment which was to have crowned their entire history, this all but divine race perished in a single night. So, highly sophisticated, technologically advanced species who travelled to the Earth and uh, walked on the Earth before millions of years before humans did and took some things back to their planet. Yeah, they're all there in um, Altera's garden, which was the Munchkin's town square. <laughs> <laughs> Altera's garden? Yeah. So the Munchkin's town square 
where they meet up with Dorothy and yeah. celebrate the death of the Wicked Witch. Uh, that was repurposed because it had this pond in it and, and uh, running water, and that was repurposed as Altera's garden. Amazing. And that's where we encounter all of the earth animals. Yeah. But it seems to me that the Krell have certain similarities to myths like the Atlantis myth. Mm. I, I've just been listening to a really excellent podcast that I recommend to, to everyone. Um, it's called The Rest is History, mm. which is a great history podcast. But they've recently done an episode on Atlantis talking about where that came from because like the Krell the uh, Atlantis was a sort of sophisticated technologically advanced uh, race of people who then disappeared um, supposedly about 11,000 years ago now there is no evidence no archaeological evidence of Atlantis ever existing the starting place for uh, the Atlantis myth is Plato. And the, the the feeling very much from the podcast, spoiler alert, is that Plato wanted to imagine a society that was kind of perfect and what that would look like, but kind of like use it almost like a, as a model, you know, like, like computer modelling almost, that it was a story, you know, um, that he created, but that was and wasn't really treated as anything other than that until you know much later like 1700s 1800s and and then it became something that people thought might be real that's because um, um, utopian ideas were beginning to enter literature so um francis bacon wrote utopia yeah which was which is very much along the lines of atlantis and gulliver's travels as well you could see in, in places as a utopian novel but there's also dystopians in there as well so well, this, I mean, this idea of this of this perfect land as well, which will be reinterpreted in the 20th and 21st century as something uh, utterly other. Atlantis sort of archaeology, I mean, maybe just pseudo-archaeology really, has a sort of checkered history because I think in about the sort of 1700s, Atlantis became a land where um, people who then sort of seeded uh, settlements in... Europe came from so they were sort of like the, the the people who came before I suppose this then as you might know was then taken on a bit further by the Nazis have you heard of the Thule Society Ultima Thule which is the edge of the world yeah okay so the Thule Society were they you know that there's a, an element to the Nazis that was mystical thinking Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Thule Society were a group that sort of came and, and sort of influenced sort of key key Nazis. Uh, it's where they got the swastika from, which is a sort of mystical Indian symbol, isn't it, I think? Yeah, it's still being used as that. Yeah. So Thule was thought to be a place north of the UK, somewhere like that, but that's what they thought, where they thought Atlantis was. And so often Atlantis archaeology and Atlantis history is kind of like connected quite heavily with white supremacy, Nazism and all that kind of stuff. There was an article in The Guardian not so long ago that was talking about how Atlantis is like a gateway drug for white supremacy. I sort of feel that you have got to be quite careful when not only talking about it but when also sort of investigating it as well 
So if you do start investigating Atlantis, just bear that in mind. Bear in mind there's absolutely no evidence for it at all. Literally none. None. None whatsoever. But also in the 20th century, in the 21st century, it's an excuse to suggest that um, ancient cultures weren't capable of producing the things they did. So they had to have had some form of assistance, either from an ancient civilization that was massively advanced or aliens. Yeah. I've just dug a new rabbit hole. I mean, this is this whole thing is just one massive rabbit hole, isn't it? Oh, huge! Yeah, lined with with bricks that have no gaps between them because they were made by aliens. <laughs> yeah, an alien-built rabbit hole. <laughs> there are examples of other lost civilizations as well, so it's not it's not unique. And again, no. that feels to me that that speaks of trying to explain things and not having all of the information and so you sort of like create something that is sort of a bit like a story so i just typed into i got an ai an ai bot to find other examples and so they came up with lemuria which is a hypothetical lost continent said to have existed in the pacific ocean lemuria was a technologically advanced civilization that existed before the sinking of atlantis They also um, mention Hyperborea, which is a legendary land that is said to have existed in the far north, beyond the bounds of the known world. Now, looking at that, again, it says Hyperborea was a utopia where the people lived in harmony with nature and possessed advanced technology. Now, lots of these, when you then Google them, they are treated as stories, you know, like as as fiction rather than rather than as history. And so it feels like the, 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 the line between what's fact and what's fiction with with these specifically it's quite murky it's quite blurry well when you have a look at plate tectonics there have been huge giant continents yeah exactly gondwana land and pangaea yeah they were they all existed as with with um uh, continental drift and plate tectonics yeah which is touched on by hp lovecraft in the at the mountains of madness which uh, it's a, a huge ancient society that um, came to Earth way before humans. And they, they set up their civilization and the, their civilization floated around on the plate tectonics and ended up in Antarctica. It was not held in the 1930s as a real uh, scientific truth as plate tectonics, but he read about the theories and built it into his story. That's interesting. And maybe that's why then these stories become thought of as real. Yeah, because the more we of, find out in yeah. areas, then then they they lend credence. Yeah, but it feels like the people who believe that Atlantis is real or was a real place is a bit like us accepting that that the stuff that Lovecraft wrote was oh. was real. Well, no, I kind of did when I was reading Lovecraft when I was very young, when I was a teenager late teens into my 20s, I really did begin to believe that not one man's mind could come up with that kind of thing. Right. And to a, a very sort of malleable plastic mind that you have at that age, yeah, you can, you can um, you know, create this idea that he was keying into something real. And, and also the other sort of connect, connecting bit of tissue for us, because I realise this is not very roboty, except for the fact that Undersea Kingdom the Crash Corrigan uh, serial is essentially Atlantis, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. So it does have a, it does have a, 
so this idea of of ancient technologically advanced civilizations does connect a couple of films that we've that we've that we've looked at there are examples as well aren't there of um ancient tech that we have found in in this here actual real world uh, so the first the first one is the Antikythera mechanism, which uh, was found in 1901 near the Greek island of Antikythera. Uh, I'm, apologies if I'm not pronouncing that right. For our so Greek the, a couple listeners. of a couple of divers uh, were rummaging around and found this this item. They knew it was ancient. They brought it up. It got popped into a museum, uh, and then later on, it was uh, a team of, of, of people decided to x-ray it and found it was incredibly sophisticated, full of cogs and, and, and levers, and in a box with kind of tooled switches. Okay. So uh, then with the advent of, of powerful CGI and being able to um, recreate this virtually, they began to put it together and realized that it uh, could work out things like irregular orbits of the moon, eclipses, all of these kind of things. It was kind of a predictive machine. So it got the name a Greek computer, which okay. is not far off what it really was. Yeah. So there was that. And there was also, you were telling me about the Baghdad battery as well. That's the name given to a set of three artifacts that were found together. It's, it's these ceramic pots and and uh, copper tubes, uh, and they were found in present day Iraq in 1936, close to the metropolis of Ctesiphon. And again, they were placed in a museum. And then somebody was looking at them and thought, "Well, hang on, if you add a, a mild form of acid to this and add some wires, you've got a battery." Okay, okay. it did work as a battery. Are these examples where it was? tried to be explained away as being an ancient highly evolved technologically technologically advanced um, no not really i think no. they just sort of languished until you know people like um eric von daniken came along who wrote books about ancient uh, visitations from aliens in the past he wrote them thinking it was actual history or that they were just works of fiction oh he wrote it as if it was real actual right. history yeah definitely Okay. But I suppose the slight problem is that stuff like that often can, particularly now that there's the internet, that we have the internet, is that you can kind of just get into like a, a feedback loop when oh, you yeah, start completely. reading stuff like that, can't you? So you can read yeah. that, which then leads you to read something else, which is also not true. But and that's the problem with algorithms and AI. It won't give you the opposite theory of what you're reading no it will feed you more of the same yeah it will so just content continuously feed you until you eventually you become a flat earther yeah exactly come on we've got to climb out of this rabbit hole now we could we're honestly too, it could be in here all day i know we're in too deep i'm already considering getting my dna done to see if i'm related to aliens <laughs> you know i would not be in the least bit surprised <laughs> with this hair <laughs> <laughs> with this hair and that brain definitely there's some alien work going on okay that's it let's let's close this sideboard it's been a lovely sideboard but let's let's put let's should we tuck it into bed let's tuck it into bed kiss it on the head and say good night oh, night night <laughs> <laughs>